Hello, everyone, and welcome to the week 16 episode of the Off the Charts podcast. I'm Greg Thomas of Sports Info Solutions, filling in for Scott Spratt this week, and we're joined, as always, by Aaron Schatz of Football Outsiders. As you wrote in your DVOA article this week, the Cowboys and the Patriots remain the number one and two teams in DVOA, while their weighted DVOA shows their more recent performances are also the top two in the league. I'm guessing it's safe to say that the Seahawks' four-year run of finishing the season first overall in DVOA is over? Yes, it is pretty much over. And of course, the reason, the most important reason for that is the loss of Earl Thomas, which if people go to Football Outsiders today and read Kian Fahey's Film Room article, sort of details the importance of Earl Thomas to that defense. But uh, Seattle was uh, third overall in defense and fifth against the pass through week 11. The first game Thomas missed was week 12, played a little bit in week 13. But over the last five weeks, They've been 17th in defense and 26th against the pass. So it is a huge loss, and the DVOA dynasty is over. <laughs> well, uh, today we wanted to cover a couple topics that will help clarify the playoff picture in both conferences. Thanks last week to a Steelers and Dolphins win and a Broncos loss. All six teams in the AFC are locked in. It's all about seeding now. Uh, but I wanted to take a look at the potential paths of the Patriots to the Super Bowl based on how the seeds might shake out. Um, now, first, as a Penn State alumni, I can't say that I ever anticipated hearing Matt McGloin starting QB for a playoff team. Uh, but with Derek Carr's unfortunate broken fibula last week, that has likely become a reality. Yes, it is absolutely a reality. Matt McGloin starting playoff quarterback, unless he gets injured this week. Right. And then it's Connor Cook starting playoff quarterback. Which would be interesting in its own right. Um, now, obviously, the Patriots want to be the number one overall seed and have home field throughout. But since the only scenario where they wouldn't have home field uh, would now be against either the McGloin or Cook-led Raiders in Oakland, do you think that there is a thought that gaining the number one overall seed is no longer as important? I think, I mean, this is we're now into uh, psychological, yeah. <laughs> psychological guessing here. Uh, as I often say, the site is called Football Outsiders, not Football Psychologists. <laughs> <laughs> but reading the tea leaves from Foxborough, there definitely seems to be a, a, a belief that they made a mistake last year. And it's obviously different to go to Denver and play in Denver against that defense right. with a veteran quarterback than to play in Oakland against a much worse defense and a much worse quarterback, but or at least less experienced quarterback. But I think the sense from the Patriots is they want to win this game. Fair enough. Um, if they're winning, if they're winning fairly handily, they might pull you'll people see again. Brady come out, I think, and I think I would not be surprised if you saw Brady come out with a smaller lead than usual, like if they're up two touchdowns in the fourth rather than three or four. Mm -hmm. But I think they're playing people. Gotcha. Uh, well, with the car injury, I think it's now pretty clear that the AFC teams, the Patriots, would be most worried about would be. The Steelers and the Chiefs, who are three and eight in DVOA overall, and three and five in weighted DVOA respectively. Um, but even assuming those teams would win their games, there are paths for the Patriots in which they only face one of those teams, such as the Chiefs winning and the Raiders losing this week, giving the Chiefs the NFC West and thus the bye. Uh, while the Steelers would come in in three, and then obviously if they won the first round, they would play each other in the second round. Or there's even in a more unlikely scenario that could pit the two teams in the first round if a few things were to happen this weekend. 
Uh, yeah, I think can, Kansas City can be six. It's true. Yes, Kansas City could be the sixth seed if they lose and Miami wins. Yes, correct. Kansas City is the sixth seed. Yes. Right. Um, now, as you stated repeatedly, this is the season of no great teams. Uh, so this year, more than any other, maybe, um, any team has a chance any given Sunday. Uh, I think teams that have had success in the past against Brady were the teams that were able to get consistent pressure while only rushing four men. I ran a few queries adjusting the premium charting data that we collect at Sports Info Solutions that's available on Football Outsiders to see where the other AFC teams ranked in getting defensive pressure while rushing just four men. Um, For the whole season, Miami ranked actually at fourth in the NFL at 23.529%. Uh, Oakland 9th, Houston 15th, Pittsburgh 20th, and Kansas City at 21st at 19.387%. And for reference, the Patriots ranked 8th themselves. Uh, But over the last eight weeks, Oakland actually ranked 1st in the NFL, uh, and Miami 5th, Pittsburgh 14th, Kansas City 21st, and Houston actually down to 28th, uh, while the Patriots themselves were 6th over that time frame. So perhaps the Raiders and or Dolphins could make things more interesting than those other two teams. Uh, would they be able to put up enough points to stay in the game with backup quarterbacks? And perhaps maybe even the uh, the Pittsburgh D is improving over the second half uh, in the, their ability to get that type of pressure on Brady. Yeah, it's a really interesting number for Oakland because the Oakland defense has just not been good overall this year, and it's not like they've been better in recent weeks. They're just not a very good defense. They're poor against the run, um, and I mean, obviously, look, Khalil Mack is dangerous, but they've also been very poor in the secondary. DJ Hayden has good charting stats. He's top 20 in both yards allowed per pass and success rate. But Sean Smith has had a real down year, really demonstrates the inconsistency from year to year of cornerbacks. He's 69th in yards allowed per pass and 45th in success rate. Hmm. And David Amerson, who was really good last year, has been 57th and 49th in those two stats, respectively. So yeah, they can bring some pressure with four but is the coverage on the back end going to be good enough to stop Brady from doing what he wants? especially, you know, he dumps it off short to Dion Lewis or they get it to Malcolm Bennett. And Oakland has been 23rd against tight ends, 22nd against running backs. So I don't know if, if you know, especially with the backup quarterback, Oakland is just seems a lot less scary. I think the most scary team is Kansas City. Mm. There's this sense among the Patriots fandom that, like, they've beaten Pittsburgh so many times. They've beaten Kansas City last year in the playoffs. But it's not that they've beaten Kansas City so many times. Remember two years ago, that huge uh, Brady disaster that everyone thought he'd finally reached the end of his days Mm -hmm. uh, came against Kansas City. And the playoff game last year, you had an injured Jeremy Macklin and an injured Justin Houston who barely saw the field. The other thing about Kansas City that I think makes them dangerous for the Patriots is that they excel in passes to tight ends and running backs. Now, when you look at our numbers, I'm surprised the Patriots are not worse in, in those you know, categories. Mm-hmm. They're 18th against tight ends, 23rd against running backs in the receiving game. They're better against wide receivers, but not that much better, which surprises me a little bit. But if you just think about the structure of the defense, especially, you know, it's improved over the second half of the season. But part of what they lost with Jamie Collins was pass coverage ability from the linebacker position. So right. 
mean, Travis Kelsey right now is playing so well, and I would think he is the biggest danger right now to the Patriots making the Super Bowl. He is the one player who more than any other stands between the Patriots and Super Bowl 51, Travis Kelsey. Yeah, it's uh, definitely interesting. Um, I think uh, no matter how you look at it, though, those top t- teams in DVOA seem to be the most likely to represent their conferences in the Super Bowl. Uh, this kind of shows right. in... because you don't often get a situation like this where the top two teams in the ratings are a improving as the year goes on and B have the number one seeds, which New England probably does. And Dallas definitely does. Right. And that's meaningful. I mean, home field advantage is important. There's a reason why Seattle only won one championship out of those four years of being number one in DVOA. And it's because in two of those years, they didn't have the number one seed and Mm. they lost on the road (laughs) to teams that maybe weren't as good in DVOA, but who made up the difference with home field advantage. Right. Yeah. Like you said, it definitely makes sense. Both teams having number one seed, being opposite conferences, all that stuff. They have the clearest paths uh, to get to the Super Bowl. And that obviously showed in your playoff odds report uh, where the game between Dallas and New England, which uh, you've named the 43 states of hatred. Uh, has a 26.9% chance of happening. Um, now, personally, looking a further down the list as a Dolphins fan and more importantly, a Seinfeld fan, uh, I'm kind of hoping for the Del Boca Vista Bowl, uh, but I kind of doubt that will happen. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. When <laughs> Tannehill got hurt, that there went the Del Boca, Del Boca Vista Bowl, the Giants and the Dolphins. Um, listen, hey, for the Dolphins to even make the playoffs this year has been a, a really astonishing uh, they were not only have they been bad the last couple of years, but there really were not any expectations of them improving. Our projections for them were pretty low. Um, they've outperformed our projections maybe more than any other team this year because, I mean, at least, you know, we saw Dallas rebounding. Mm-hmm. We didn't think they would do this once Romo got hurt, but we knew their defense would rebound and we knew their offense would rebound. Um, so we didn't think they were going 14 and 2, but. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I think that we knew Dallas was going to be a good team. Miami is just a shock, and Adam Gaves is definitely a Coach of the Year candidate. Yeah, and actually, speaking of the Cowboys and kind of maybe transferring over to the NFC side of things, there's kind of three teams and, well, I guess technically four teams if a tie occurs and six other games go their way, um, but vying for two spots in the playoffs. Uh, now, if Washington loses, then the final game of the season between Green Bay and Detroit just becomes a game that will simply determine the seeds of both teams. But if Washington beats the Giants, then that last game becomes a win and in situation or a tie and both in situation. Right. And the Giants say they're going to play people. And I don't know. I guess we should take them at their word. But the one guy, I would expect them to not play people who are injured. And Janoris Jenkins has had back problems the last couple of weeks. And I don't see any reason to put him out there in this game injured when this game means nothing to them. It's, I understand you want to keep the rhythm going for Eli Manning and the receivers, even though the rhythm hasn't been that great this year. Fine. But I don't see any reason to play Jenkins hurt. And the fact is, without Jenkins, it's a problem because the Giants, the, because the pass rush has been so good, that has helped the cornerbacks be so good. The charting stats are unbelievable for the Giants' corners this year. Right now, Dominique rogers Camardi comes out number one hmm. in both success rate and yards per pass. Dominique rogers Camardi, for crying out loud. <laughs> Jenkins, who was number one for most of the year, is now eighth in yards per pass. 
second in success rate. And rookie Eli Apple is 68th in yards per pass and 65th in success rate. So without Janoris Jenkins, there's definitely a weakness there for the Washington passing game to go after. And I don't see any reason why the Giants should put Jenkins on the field with a hurt back in a game that means nothing for them. Right. And kind of looking at it, I saw both the Giants and Washington's DVOA were about the same. They were 12th and 9th overall, 10th and 8th and weighted. Uh, but obviously, as you pointed out, the Giants are going about it in one way, which is they're the 21st-ranked offense, the second-ranked defense, and then 16th special teams, where Washington's going at it the exact opposite way with the 4th-ranked offense, 25th-ranked defense, and 15th-ranked special teams. And now, obviously, as you kind of mentioned and as I had read, the Giants are saying that they're going to play their players, but given that the game's in Washington, it has that factor, and they re- the Giants really have nothing to play for. Uh, I guess, like me, you're kind of expecting Washington to win that game? I mean, I'm favoring them, certainly. I mean, here's another couple of matchup bits that are really in Washington's favor. The Giants are seventh or better in DVOA against every receiving position except tight end. They are 25th against tight ends. And Jordan Reed is supposed to play this week. The other thing, the Giants, right? That pass rush uh, uh, has been good this year, we really think, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact is they're not actually that good in adjusted sack rate. They bring pressure, but they're not getting sacks. The Giants are only tied for 29th in adjusted sack rate. They only have 31 sacks this year, which is lower than the league average of 33. And when you consider who they've done it against and the number of uh, pass plays they faced. And the Washington has the number two adjusted sack rate on offense. They've had a really good offensive line this year, both run blocking and pass blocking. So, I mean, the Washington defense isn't that good. And I would expect that New York, especially if they play their starters, they're going to be able to get yards and, and some points against that Washington defense. But I just think the matchups work out really well for Washington. Plus they're the home team and they're the team with something to play for. And I think, there's a pretty good chance then that that leaves us with Green Bay Detroit as essentially a play-in game. Right. And actually, that's very interesting what you brought up about um, the defensive line of the Giants. Because I remember last year, um, again, as a Dolphins fan, um, Olivier Vernon um, having a decent amount of sacks, but not a ton, but then leading almost every metric in hurries and that kind of stuff. And Um, JPP also last year had almost no sacks and tons of hurries. uh, Yeah, so it's interesting that that also played out this year as well. Um, But like you were getting into, uh, if Washington does win that game, it does set up a great final game of the regular season. Um, Now, Detroit seems to have lost some of their magic while Green Bay has been on a tear winning their last five games. Uh, Unlike the first matchup that we just talked about, this pairs two teams that DVOA doesn't see as evenly matched. Um, basically Green Bay is up to 6th overall in DVOA, while Detroit has slipped all the way down to 27th overall in DVOA. Uh, Yeah, not really slipped. They've been down there pretty much all year, and it's very strange to try to explain why we have them rated so low and they keep winning games. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Now, the matchup of Green Bay's 6th-ranked offense versus Detroit's 32nd-ranked defense will be interesting for sure. Uh, Detroit ranks near the bottom of the league in defensive pressure rate, uh, only 29th at 18.8%. But is there anything else you've seen in your data that has led to Detroit's defensive performance this year? 
I, they're just not good. I mean, they're just not good in pretty much every way. And injuries have been an issue, right? I mean, uh, Levy uh, missed uh, much. DeAndre Levy missed much of the season. And now they've missed Darius Slay, and he's by far their best cornerback. Uh, both, you know, subjective scouting uh, and the cornerback charting stats both agree that Slay is the best corner on that team. Uh, and it's like you think, oh, well, they, they haven't allowed that many points. Maybe it's are they really good in the red zone? No, <laughs> they are the worst defense in the league in the red zone by DVOA. It's a really strange combination of things for Detroit that, that, that has them. So they are the dead last defense in DVOA, despite the fact that they are 13th in the league in points against. They played an easy schedule on defense. They don't have any points they've given up on offense or special teams, right? Which contributes to points allowed per game. Mm-hmm. I think one touchdown. They've given up one touchdown, return touchdown by the other team. Yeah, pick six and they play things. a really slow pace. No one else has fewer drives on offense or defense. Fewer drives means fewer points scored, both the offense and the defense. Thus, the offense doesn't look as good as it really is. The defense looks a lot better than it really is. The other thing is teams tend to face long fields because they've had a really good punting game this year with Sam Harris being the second best punter in the league this year behind the amazing Johnny Hecker. (laughs) So the Detroit story is really weird and you keep looking for like what's the gimmick and the gimmick is just closed comeback victories where Stafford overcomes bad defense with plays at the end of the game. And that is usually just not sustainable over the long term. Right. I remember reading a stat that uh, he had tied and then already surpassed a few weeks ago the most fourth quarter comebacks in a season by a quarterback. So I'm definitely hoping that game uh, comes down to a win and in scenario. And again, if we get that close fourth quarter game, I guess we can't really count out the Lions this year. No, you can't. And I mean, listen, Green Bay's defense has had problems. They've had injuries in the secondary. Quentin Rollins has really poor Charting stats, he's at uh, 60th yards per play and a 72nd success rate, which I think is worse out of everyone that we have with the minimum number of games and mm. targets to be ranked. And um, they're also really bad, particularly first down, right? They're 31st against the pass on first down, Green Bay is. They're really strong on second down for some reason. They have a weird split where they're 25th on first, third on second, and then 27th on third. But the the Detroit offense should be able to get some yardage here. I just think Aaron Rodgers is going to go crazy haywire on Mm. them. If this game is for the playoffs and and, uh, no Darius Slay and and the Detroit defense is just not good and they give up tons of yards, and I just think Aaron Rodgers is going to go nuts. Uh, Yeah, that totally makes sense, Um, which would obviously put them in. And then depending on Washington, either Washington and Detroit getting in as well. Right. Um, And then the clear worst team in the playoffs will be the Houston Texans. (laughs) Yes, our favorite. Um, Now, as with the Patriots in the AFC, the Cowboys, again, have that seem to be the favorite to go to the Super Bowl. Um, But obviously, there's also some interesting teams on the NFC side that could provide definite obstacles to them getting there. Do you think there's one team that's the clearest threat uh, to Dallas's hopes of getting the Super Bowl, or is it kind of a combo based on matchups and who they would end up playing? 
I think it's a combo. They asked this question for the ESPN Insider Roundtable this week, and I said I thought Green Bay was the biggest danger just because uh, Aaron Rodgers could put up a really big early lead, and then you have to ask yourself if Dallas can come back. Now, you know, Green Bay's run defense has not been as good in recent weeks as it was early in the season, and Ezekiel Elliott had no problems with them earlier in the season. But when Dallas beat Green Bay earlier this season, it was when the Green Bay offense was all still so discombobulated. And I think that Green Bay offense is playing a lot better now. But I don't know if Green Bay is that much more of a threat than Atlanta or the Giants or even Seattle if they have a big offensive game. Although, like I said, Earl Thomas being absent Mm. has been a huge problem. The Atlanta offense is super powerful. So any game where Atlanta is really competitive with Dallas... Frankly, any game between Atlanta and Dallas, period, is going to be a colossal shootout. But again, there's the question, you know, if Atlanta scores a couple of touchdowns early, will Dallas be able to come back without giving up on the run, which their offense is based around so much? And then the fact is that the Giants are the one team that has beaten them this year and that we know that their pass pressure gets to gets to Dak Prescott, and so I think a lot of people would see the Giants as the biggest danger to to Dallas. I think when you look at matchups, like not just playoff odds have the Patriots more likely to make the Super Bowl. The Patriots now we have in the Super Bowl 54% of the time, Dallas 49%. Mm -hmm. I think when you look specifically at matchups, it looks even better for the Patriots than it does for Dallas, and that doesn't even include the thing a lot of people are saying about oh, you know, no rookie quarterback has ever started a Super Bowl. I don't think 2016 is the year to be saying that things that have never happened before will never happen in the future. So I I think sort of the rookie quarterback thing is sort of built into the odds, right? But right. if they, you know, if a rookie quarterback was that much of a problem, they wouldn't have been that good this year. But uh, I do think that they face more matchups that are difficult for them on the way to the Super Bowl than the Patriots would face. Right. I think, I mean, just as you talked about, you can kind of make a case for almost any team not only being a thorn in the Cowboys side, but also making it to the Super Bowl themselves on the NFC. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing is, right, there's a possibility. There's a way that the Patriots could get to the Super Bowl while having to face only one of Pittsburgh and Kansas City. Right. I don't think there's a way that Dallas can make it to the Super Bowl while facing only one of the teams that we think might give them trouble unless the sixth seed is Washington or Detroit mm. and the sixth seed upsets the third seed in the wild card round. Right. And, and then you think, okay, Dallas probably beats Washington and Detroit fairly easily. Then they only have to play one of the teams that we think is going to give them trouble, but it's more likely they're going to have to face two of them. Right. All right. Well, is there anything else that you want to cover this week? I think we're ready for week 17. I, I, it's so interesting that the last couple of years we've had this situation where the playoff spots are almost entirely decided before we get to the last week of the season. It would be more fun if there was a lot more up in the air at this point. But the Green Bay-Detroit game is certainly going to be fun. And a lot more fun if Washington beats the Giants. I mean, not, not to try to be negative for the Packers and Lions fans out there who I'm sure would like to be in the playoffs either way. But <laughs> for the rest of us, it's going to be more fun if that game is do or die. For sure. Just seeing all the seating and everything else that can happen, there's still a lot of good stuff going on this weekend. 
I believe that kind of covers everything that we wanted to talk about this week. Uh, there's one day only, a full slate of football left in the regular season. I'm definitely looking forward uh, to seeing what all happens and uh, where we begin the playoffs next week. Hope everyone enjoyed the podcast, continues to subscribe and read all of Aaron's articles and content over at Football Outsiders. Thanks again uh, to Aaron for joining us, and we'll talk with everyone again next week.